Hello, and welcome to Horrorsperia. My name is May. I'm Clinton. Hello, Clinton. Hello, hello, hello. We're coming to you from quarantine day. I think we're in the second week. Yeah, uh, maybe I would say we're about to begin the third. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. My the date that I choose is March twelfth because that was when everything was canceled for me. Oh yeah. So yeah, days no longer have numeric or time. Yeah, Yeah, I've been because I've also still been teaching online overnight as Mm. well. I woke up at like one, and you were supposed to come over at three, and I was like, no. (laughs) Whoa! You woke up at one p.m. That's actually pretty early. <laughs> wow. So you teach in the online classes? I have been. I've been doing okay. it for a few years. So Yeah, but I thought you had stopped for a bit. I, I had stopped for uh-huh. a bit, but remember the coronavirus hit China first. Uh-huh. So weirdly, I actually had about like a month uh-huh. where I was both working like full time overnight and also working my university job. And then I was going to cut back, but then the virus hit here. And it's funny. I've had a lot of friends that know I do this, want to sign up now. And the company I do it with is like automatically rejecting people because there's just too many people now doing it. Really? They've got too much, too yeah. many people who can have the time who has to the time now. online. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so I've been doing that a bit. Not every day, though, because... I have some news. I got into the PhD program Woo! at GMU. And yes. so I've also also got a really great scholarship. So I've also been trying to like balance, you know, trying to make a little bit of money while also trying to use this time to start some things. Yeah. So, yeah. Start some start some what? No, it's just start my, like, you'll see that bag over there. I'm pointing to a bag with a bunch of office supplies. All I see is cat toys. <laughs> I mean, that too. But uh, those, that's going to turn into my PhD board. Uh, hopefully, I get to spend the summer in Puerto Rico still. It's to do? To, to do research for building a Puerto Rican cinema archive. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. It'll be really exciting. I'm actually, now we can say that a PhD candidate yes. is... Running this. Yes. Okay. All right. Is that, that is that what you are, a PhD candidate, even when you start your work? Like, or start yes. your schooling? So yeah. you're technically, I someone correct me, but you're technically not a PhD. I for, you're, you're called a PhD candidate. Like, you're yeah. basically applying for candidacy. But I mean... Uh-huh. I'm oh, I'm in the system. Like, okay. like yeah. I have my. It'll probably be like five years, but I'm really excited because um, that's super exciting. I applied with wanting to do research in genre cinema, which is the basis of this podcast in Puerto Rico and Iran, and I've been kind of like whittling it away to want to now build a Puerto Rican archive of cinema, which doesn't exist wow. currently. Um, and also dabbling into studies with Iranian genre cinema. Hell what about your quarantine? Yeah. Tell tell us everything. Oh, uh, my quarantine, as you know, I have a wife and two kids now. So, which is a season two bit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it's great. We're doing a lot of Disney Plus. Um. I can report that the kids love just about anything. You know, for a few episodes, and then they do. Then they're on to something else. 
the spongebob movie gets a lot of play at my house yeah is that disney it's um you know they kind of own everything so maybe yeah <laughs> yeah the okay. kids know how to find it so it's either disney or netflix um or maybe even hbo go sometimes i see them in the hbo go section and then i gotta kind of you know be like wait a second what are i actually you, what just are you got hbo it? go too have you watched avenue five no, I haven't. You know what I started watching? Okay, well, first of all, I would highly recommend Avenue 5. What's Avenue 5? It's a comedy in space with House, the Dr. House. Guy. Oh, I don't like him. No, well, you might like this show. This show is Maybe. super good. But anyway, what are, you, what are you watching? I started watching The Righteous Gemstones. I love that show, too. It is incredible. Yeah, I oh thought it was I'm really actually more too. mad that no one has suggested it to me before. Uh-huh. I may have, uh, but but no one else had, so it probably didn't, you know, like elevate to the <laughs> level mean, of something that somebody remembers. It, it is so dark and funny, and I love satirical Jesus things. Yeah, and I love Danny McBride. You know, and, and this is a I my main complaint with most Danny McBride is that he's usually too far out there, but this makes him bring it back a little bit. I think makes him play a little bit more of a. It is very consistent. I will uh-huh. say I kind of get what you mean where sometimes like a Danny McBride thing is just Danny McBride being like, I'm Danny McBride. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, that's helping him here. Uh-huh. But it's it de- like John Goodman's really good. John Actually, Goodman is so good in it. Yeah. I usually don't like Adam Devine uh, or Divine. Divine. Or whatever the fuck. Please. Um, yeah. I usually, Put some respect on his name. <laughs> I usually do. Well, I think of Adam Levine. Yeah. And it's spelled oh. the same way except one. Uh-huh. So, okay. I'm sorry. It could be divine. I'm not sure. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Uh, I usually don't like him, but uh, this one is pretty good, too. Are the other workaholics eventually on it? I'm going to say no. Okay. I also didn't finish it. I have a couple yeah, slight beats with it, but... Overall, very, very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tried to watch Westworld. Okay. I don't know. First how, season? Maybe? I don't understand how anyone fucking watches that show. Okay. Too much? Too, too it far? It was... I just don't... Too Lynchian? Not even Lynchian. I don't even know it, It's means. Nolan. It, it's uh, Jonathan Nolan, okay. who is Chris Nolan's brother and also who helped uh-huh. write Memento. And yeah. It's very Nolan in the sense yeah. that things just happen and then they expect you to. And then when I ask other people who have suggested Westworld to me, they're like, oh, don't worry. You're supposed to be confused for eight episodes, but then you get it in the ninth. And I hate things like that. Yeah. Um, I might go back to it because the premise is interesting, mm-hmm. but... Goddamn Westworld. <laughs> it was a little too shooty for me. A little too... Because if the premise is that you're in a simulation kind of thing and you can get shot in the head like a thousand times, then they on HBO they're going to shoot you in the head over and over and over. And at some point I thought, you know what? That logic also still doesn't make sense to me. That's because that was yeah. when I was like, wait, but how do they get there? How is that able to happen? Oh, right. It just like... And, and I stopped at the fourth episode and and... I was like, I'm going to have to watch one of those YouTube explanation videos to continue. Oh, yeah. and of I, which there are plenty, I'm sure. Yeah. But let's actually talk about something. Okay. Okay. Related. Okay. Let's talk about Tiger King. Yes. So Clinton told me about a week ago, he was like, have you seen Tiger King yet? And I had seen it popped up. And I, I I usually support everything that everyone likes, but sometimes <laughs> it's just like 
it, it takes me a while to do it because mm-hmm. I hate being like, like I still haven't finished the Gabriel Fernandez stuff and whatever. But Clinton's actually really picky. So I was like, okay, That's true. I'm going to sit down and watch it. My God. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. You tell, let's talk about it. Okay. So Tiger King is about exotic animal breeders like people that have these big roadside zoos and that's how clinton first pitched it to me yeah and me without knowing anything i was like oh no that sounds too sad that makes me very depressed yeah and clinton was like "Mm, maybe maybe watch it maybe wait and see to watch it and now i know what it means because it's just kind of like these are the jobs of the characters yeah but the last 15 minutes made me super sad but really otherwise i i do agree that it is almost the backdrop and that's also why the last 15 minutes are kind of super sad because it kind of brings it all back to remember this is about animals oh, and no one right. in the series yeah. gives a fuck about the animals and that's true well, i would i uh, without getting too in the weeds i do think there are better actors better um people in the conservation uh, world uh than others but any but in any case um super fun even just the first the trailer and like the first few minutes are like holy mackerel and then there are other twists that come around too yeah and as far as i think solely based on it's worth it even just based on real people. These are real people who are better characters than oh you God. could ever make up. I know. You couldn't. You yeah. Really could. That's, that was one down thing. Down to I the was way like... they dress, down to the way they mm-hmm. look. Yeah. Because every episode kind of has its own theme. Uh-huh. It's, it's seven episodes. And already when documentary series are that long, I get a little bit tired. Same, like same. the Gabriel Fernandez one, I don't know if I'll ever finish. It's what eight is episodes. It's the, it's the little kid that was abused on Netflix. He was abused on Netflix. <laughs> the series is on Netflix. Okay. And the little kid, he was abused by his family for Ooh. like years. Yeah. yeah. It, there's nothing light about it. Yeah. Um, but I, like, don't fuck with cats. That, that was the one that really like probably. But that was only three episodes. Yeah. But that was three episodes? That was three episodes. God, that felt like. It, it was tough. Yeah. But I was able to watch it because it was I like. I can't believe you watched that. I had to walk away during like 25% of it, Mm -hmm. which was mostly like the first episode. The first episode was really tough. But then after that, it just got into the dude and the investigation team or whatever. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, when I saw this was seven episodes, I'm like, how can you stretch this? But every single episode is crazy. Like that first episode, I'm all like, Fuck yeah, Carol. You yeah. tell him. Yeah. Yeah. I was so pro Carol. See, I do I I'm still pro Carol after all. She was killed her husband, okay? No, she, she didn't. She did. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I think You're the only person in the world that thinks that she didn't kill her well, husband. I think she killed her husband. Her handyman said She's an asshole. Or his handyman said, like, if I pull this off, I'm gonna be the slickest man in the world or something. Oh which my is God. like the exact thing no. you say when you I'm sorry before you but she fake your him. death and then fly away. She killed him because I mean she was also no an ass. I mean, I completely agree that Joe Exotica was next level insane. Yeah. But as the series went on, uh-huh. he was 
making more and more sense. No. And I think the only thing that... He burned down his own, his studio. That is literally the... He killed all those alligators. Yeah, yeah. That, I completely agree, is fucked up. Sorry, these are big spoilers. I'm sorry if you're listening. Yeah. Just watch it anyway. Um, No, but actually, I, I do think that... It, it it was something darker in her that wanted to go after him for all that money. And I'm just like, it even when it and I'm not trying to make this a gender thing, even though obviously gender we we, we can look at Tiger King through a gender perspective as yeah. well. It it is a little suspicious to me that she just kept going after him after it was clear that he had no recourse to keep going after her. What do you and mean? He, she kept going after him. Yeah, for after... for the money. He went after her fam, his family, and things like that. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to defend Joe Exotica because yeah. what he did was fucked up. But yeah. Carol definitely killed her husband. No, and and I mean oh she she kept those those animals in cages as well and and yeah they would say that but i think they were i mean i think they were big right it was like acres and acres no they weren't bigger they were just they were small uh, as small as joe exotica's no, ones like joe you exotica. need a review you need a review i watched it pretty closely. I, I, I watched, I watched it, it too I, I watched it I watched more it recently with than you glass. i watched it with the magnifying glass there's no hero zoom, in that series which is pretty nuts yeah i mean you got um, carol and then they were really after that no i don't hero. i don't think that <laughs> carol is not the hero but uh yeah no definitely one the of hero the- is the um the smoking tv producer with the hat who oh my god who's Rick, just himself a perfect character yeah oh my god everyone <laughs> yeah everyone rick is pretty insane uh fucking doc antle oh Doc Further Antle. proof yeah. that Carol is not a hero. She completely said the Netflix documentary is bullshit and that she's looking into suing yeah. the filmmaker. I'm, I'm not sorry. super surprised. I'm, I'm sorry, surprised. but that is not the tone of someone who has hearts. You know what? You know what though? Uh, I did animals think, in their heart. I did <laughs> I did think that it was a little dirty that they so Joe Exotica like reads her diary to all on his like live stream or whatever and they do they show it they like show him reading her diary and so you read a lot of her diary or you you see that and i felt like as a documentary filmmaker i thought that was a little dirty uh i actually disagree because i feel i feel like the only winner in this whole thing is actually probably the filmmaker i i remember i don't know if you remember how the how the series starts out but he starts out saying I started making this, and this is the very first line we hear in the entire series, and it's from the documentarian. And already when that happens, mm-hmm. I'm already prepping in, because usually documentarians don't like to insert themselves in the narrative. I know, I know. But and he in does this it right case, away. And I, looking back, mm-hmm. I think that that was one of the smartest things he did, because he was like, I started doing this five years ago, wanting to make a documentary on reptile hunters, Yeah. and then I met Joe Exotica. And that's actually the last time we hear from him. I kept thinking that maybe well, he would... Uh, he he's in a little bit here and there, peppered in. Mostly, but like mostly asking, asking questions. Question. Yeah. yeah, he never yeah. introduces himself yeah. like he does in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think that's smart? Because I mean, one, it, it removes him, but two, it also just no, uh, sets the intro. Why the intro? Well, why? It, yeah, 
Well, yeah, because it like removes him from the narrative and also introduces like this is going to be something that I didn't even anticipate. And that's mm-hmm. reflected throughout everything. Like, yeah, he got a bunch of stuff that Joe did, but he also got a bunch of footage from Carol and he also got a bunch of footage from the Scarface guy and everything. And I feel yeah. like he just presented after that intro. He never inserted himself in mm-hmm. his opinion again, yeah. other than just presenting the stuff. And as a documentarian, that is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the footage speaks for it itself. For sure. And for so sure. Doc Antle is threatening to sue him. Carol is threatening of to sue him. Of course, Doc Antle. That guy's... Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but, but that's what I mean. Like, when you have supremely pissed off almost everyone in your documentary, that means yeah. that you... you To me, that means that you told uh, the truth. So, w- um, the one other problematic thought or memory was when he describes meth mouth and how people when they do a lot of meth they can like lose their teeth basically yeah and then you see the shot of um the the person who has no teeth yeah Yeah. and he does a big smile and i thought oh he's such a sympathetic person he's such a seeming is he i don't i I really don't i don't find anyone in the documentary uh, but i just thought that was a cheap shot it was like okay i could have put that together i didn't need you to give me like a zoom in big smile while you know someone else is talking about meth mouth or whatever i don't think so i i think that this was a documentary full of a bunch well i'm suing the director of tiger king (laughs) No, I think, I, and I think that it brings about a lot of uh, ethical questions, but I actually think that the documentary handled it as best as they could. If anything, the thing that I wish that they had stepped in more to do was protect the animals, but I also understand that, I don't know, that's where it gets... I, I really think that the last 15 minutes of the documentary really summed it up. That it's just like this crazy story where no one really actually cared about animals and a woman definitely killed her husband. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it Speaking of which, we're going to talk about other movies where women kill their husbands. Yeah. So yeah. to now bring it to <laughs> what today is about, uh, for March is Women's International Month. Okay. And so in the beginning of the month, I told Clinton that I wanted to do a woman director focused episode. And so that's Mm -hmm. what we'll be doing today. Awesome. Yeah. And so we looked at four films. Mm -hmm. We looked at Janie, which was released in 1970. We looked at Blood Diner, which is 1987. Mirror Mirror, which is 1990. And Good Manners, which is 2017. Whoop, whoop. Let's go women, team woman, stand up. <laughs> yeah, how did you enjoy watching these films? I mostly love them. And some I didn't care for too much. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But so- some of these movies were more up my alley than a normal podcast watching. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. definitely... These are it- my wheelhouse. Yeah, it, it was a very interesting mix. I hadn't seen most of them either. I These were films that I did a lot of research for, and I kind of wanted to get films that kind of represented eras. So mm. uh, Janie is very exploitation. Um, Blood Diner is very, like, shocky 80s slasher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Mirror Mirror is a direct-to-video 1990s movie. And then to bring us to the modern day, 
Good Manners is a 2017 Brazilian film. And I feel like these were all really interesting examples of female uh, creative voices. And a lot, most of these films were actually created with a lot of female crew and things like that. And I think in some ways you can really tell. And in other ways, it's also kind of surprising. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really intrigued to get into it. Me too. All right, you just want to get started? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so up first is 1970s Janie, directed by Roberta Finlay. This girl is no fun. She's as stupid as the rest of them. Think, Janie, think. What are you doing with her? What can you do to her? To make her realize how stupid she is. She'll do anything for you. You can make her do anything. Get her to make love to a man while you watch. She'll hate it, but she'll do it. You'll make her do it. All right, and so that was Janie, directed by Roberta Finlay. It was released in 1970. Technically, still on IMDb, the directed creditor is Jack Braffman, but will be... The directed creditor? <laughs> the credited director <laughs> Thank you. is Jack Braffman, but we'll get into... Yeah, I messaged you right away. Yeah, because you did your research. I'm so proud of you. I messaged you when I started watching it, and I thought... Hmm. Okay. Yes. Mm. And I thought, well, <laughs> um, this doesn't look like it's from the female gaze. So let and me. Do you also, want me to explain that now? It's directed by Jack. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll explain that now. So Roberta Finlay is actually a renowned sexploitation director. She did a ton of films in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And she was married to this other sexploitation director called Michael Finlay. And so the whole story about Janie and the credit. So to give some background to Jack Bravman, who is the credited director he's the one that actually broke the bubble so to speak about who directed it and he did it who who did that sorry jack braffman jack braffman yeah the credited director oh he's the one so in 2018 he he said for real yeah in 2018 i and i strongly suggest anyone listening to this look up this interview because it is actually a fascinating interview about someone that made a lot of money making a lot of very weird films in New York City and a time and space that I don't think can ever be replicated again. Mm -hmm. But essentially Jack Bravman, he was this kid from New York. Well, kid, relatively speaking. He grew up in New York in the 40s and he grew up there and he was always intrigued by film, but, you know, never got into it and blah, blah, blah. And then one day he was working for a photography studio and they closed down. And so back in the 
50s, 60s, you could just go to the unemployment office in New York. And he went to the unemployment office in New York and they gave him a job being a film booker for MGM Studios. What? Yeah, just for going to the unemployment oh my office. Oh, goodness. I know, right? I was like, fuck off. If that yeah. Could, like, happen now. That's amazing. Um, and essentially, so this was in the 60s. And what he, so just getting that job, he was able to learn about making films and also being a film booker that meant that he knew theater owners and so this was starting to get into the turn of the 60s and the 70s and exploitation cinema sex cinema was really popular especially in underground theaters and back then new york was really known for those underground theaters so what he did jack Braffman, mm-hmm. is he would just make a bunch of cheap films he would call his friends saying hey can you get me the theater in times square on this day i have a film that we can make and mm-hmm. we can screen it for one night and they would just make their money that way and so that is kind of how the exploitation slash sexploitation uh era in new york worked and so jack bradman was one of those dudes as a result he met the finlays michael and roberta michael and roberta kind of had the same deal in a way where they had been working with all of these bunch of creatives in new york specifically making sex films and they would make them quickly they would make them cheaply they would book it through a friend they would have like one night in times square and that would be enough to make quite a bit of bank especially if they were able to you know create a system for it Mm -hmm. and so jack michael and roberta kind of became this trio of directors and so as Per Jack's own words, Uh he says that Janie was the first film that Roberta directed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what was it the wasn't reason the for first... putting his name on it? Was she He doesn't go into detail into it, yeah. but he what what he does say in that part of the interview that I read, and to repeat, you can read it all on Rialto Report. Um just look up Jack Bradman, Rialto Report. It's an interview from March 2018. What he said when he explains it is that they had already been making films in the mm-hmm. late 60s. Okay. Alone in in 69 to 1970, they made four films and Janie was the last one. Mm-hmm. And Janie was the one that Roberta directed. But when he was talking about how the films would work, he just said that they would trade off roles. So, and... This film, Roberta was director, but then he would direct another one, and then she would do the sound. Her husband would do, like, script photography or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, they just figure out kind of like a system. Wow. And, uh, That's a cool team. Janie, he credits Janie being the first one that she directed. And if you look at her other films, they're all very sexual and exploitative. Okay. So it it definitely falls in line with her work. And she's not only the secret director of this movie, she's in the movie as well. She's in the movie as one of the lady lovers. Lady lovers. Yeah. I always think that's so brave if you can be naked in your own movie. She wasn't naked. uh, I think she was. I think she was naked uh, from the top. No, I don't think she ever took off her top. Because mm. well, I was, I was, I was expecting, I was expecting the same. I uh-huh. actually was expecting her to take off her clothes, but Janie attacks her before her clothes are able to come off. Uh, isn't there a shaving scene? Isn't the shaving scene, bathtub scene, something? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So viewer, listen, I listener, listener. <laughs> we 
this movie little... sucks. No. <laughs> I hated this movie. No, really? I really hated it. Really? I almost okay. like regretted telling. Though I, I didn't regret it after the fact because I was like, as much as I hate this movie, it is an artifact of uh-huh. its time. Yes. And I enjoyed Jack's interview more yeah. than I enjoyed the watching film. it. This but movie. Okay, so can we tell a viewer what it's about? It's about a teenager because yeah. she's a teenager. Uh-huh. In bed with like this fifty-year-old guy, old man, yes. That she only calls daddy. I had mm-hmm. to, I had to Google if it was her real. It's daddy. very hard to decide who is the actual daddy in this. Yes, movie. yes, yeah. it's very hard. And then she kills people, mm-hmm. but not only does she kill people, every single time she kills someone, what does she do? Uh, she like. Oh, she's she got masturbates. To. <laughs> yeah. She masks and they show and they it every do. single time. And they really try to give people like they try to mess you up because she's doing the business. She's, and then she's they're really flashing back to all to the gore. And it's like 70s gore, so it's not that bad, but it's still kind of It's like nonsensical gore, too. Like, she will have stabbed the titty, but then the blood streak will be on the eye, and the yeah. titty's like bare. And it's like the ketchup blood. Oh my god, it was totally ketchup blood. And yeah. but and there's just awesome psychedelic rock music playing. Oh yeah, it, honestly, it's a Lana Del Rey video. Yes. If you really just, it's one hour The timing is video. perfect. It's only, it's not even a half, an hour and a half. It's it's not even an maybe, hour and ten minutes. It's an yeah. hour and five minutes. Perfect length movie. <laughs> 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 uh, my main beef is with the end of the movie. Um, where, because at the end, because the whole time you're watching this like free love, insane, gone insane thing. And she's killing all these lovers. And I think it has one of the best horror movie deaths. One of my favorite horror movie deaths. Which one? Where they're on the dock. Uh, oh. And first of all, she's rolling around on a dock, which is the most bird shit ever. And Just... it's something that could only happen in the 70s before they would think to like power Just wash the dock why? before they have that scene. And um, well, I mean, why? It's like, you know, why do you go to see Jamie? You know? <laughs> um. But then it's 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 interesting, I think, because why you would go to see Janie, I'm guessing, is for the sexual pleasure of it. But then it's ruined every eight minutes by the stabbing. Dude, I actually don't <laughs> think that that bothered people, though. You don't I, think I, so? I don't think so. Okay, here's the here's the breakdown of my know. one of my favorite horror movie deaths of all time it was when Janie. Just nonchalantly stabs this man on a dock, just stabs him with a knife, and then jumps up and down like hooray, hooray, <laughs> and it's like just it's so like ludicrous. a cheerleader being like. Wee-hoo. So I don't think Roberta wrote it. Not that I think Roberta would write something better, honestly, because okay. I looked at her other films and I was like, oh, so this is like her thing. Yeah. Um, Jack, basically. <laughs> Jack so, was like, "This is my, this is my shit." No, this is this is actually something kind of interesting. Jack said that even though Michael and Roberta were married, that mm-hmm. they acted very unmarried, and that Roberta spent her time when he met her, as well as all the time afterward, because eventually they did divorce. 
sleeping with all of the men on set. With the men? I, I swear I thought I you were going to say the I thought she was going to be a lesbian. Yeah, same. So. As, as the character on screen. Maybe she was bisexual. Maybe she wasn't. He, he, so like, it's a very long interview. Yeah. Jamie's not the only thing mentioned, uh-huh. but he, he basically goes through his career from the 60s to the 80s, and he never stopped working with Roberta. So he worked Hell with Roberta yeah. through the end of the 80s and he said yeah every single time you know she's nuts but you know she's one of the best and she would have a new boyfriend sometimes two or three boyfriends per set oh and my I'm like, goodness lift let's okay. lift up this queen in <laughs> national international women's month yeah i mean roberta definitely i feel like move over bong Jun ho <laughs> our next episode is gonna be a tribute Oh my god, you would probably love it. I would. I want to talk about a one scene. That's all. That's you know. That's all I gotta. I just want to touch on what that threw me for such a curve. <laughs> it's a scene where it's not. It's hard to watch because she <laughs> she sees. Unlike the rest of the movie, uh, she is spying. She kind of looks through the door keyhole door kind of thing, and. You see, like, an abusive father thing. Like, the father's abusing the mother is what it looks like. I kind of remember that, And yeah. so I'm thinking, okay, you know. Okay, great. We get to see Janie go in and, like, kill the abusive father. But that and then that's happen. not what happens. Yeah. And that threw me for such a loop. She kills the mom, right? She masturbates. Oh. And then she's like, ha, 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 ha. And it's so <laughs> insane that... And also... I like how that, of all things... As soon as, like... <laughs> Actually, the first masturbation scene, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, maybe that's just like an anomaly. Yeah. No. Right. No, that that was was about to be. Exactly. (laughs) That was, was, yeah. Yeah. So as soon as I realized that that was what was happening, I was like, okay, well, I have no other expectations for this movie. And it pretty much stayed. If I could ask the director one question, it would be, who is the father? Is the father, was the father that abusive one? I don't think the father ever existed. No. I no. don't. Janie community, we I do also, not accept that answer. I think the only people that have seen this movie are you, me, and like and some YouTubers. 30 dudes yeah. in New York. Yeah. Because, fun fact, listener, you can watch all of Janie up on YouTube, but otherwise, You gotta really search. Um, <laughs> did you find, I, I gave you the link. Let's throw out some keywords. If you hadn't given me... I tried to find it a few minutes before the show um, just to bring it back up. I couldn't even find it. Yeah, because I don't think Janie 1970. It's like no frills oh, yeah. theater. No, that's it. No frills. Yeah. Which already. You then know, you're, you're like, like, ooh, I'm going to get, where am I? <laughs> oh, no, where am I? Frills. <laughs> yeah, no frills. Um, I'm tired yeah. of all these frills. <laughs> uh, all of the films have a lot of frills. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm glad that we watched it because... Although, I, I obviously, I don't think Janie is feminist in any way. Uh, I would disagree. Really? Uh, yeah, are, are you about to throw no, out the Anna Biller I just wanted excuses? to be a contradictor. <laughs> I, contradictorian. Because he knew that he was going to have to side with Anna Biller. And we know I that. Liked, I like a lead woman massacring her lovers freely. For sure. But it also just made no sense. <laughs> you know, I think if she, maybe she had a different attitude towards the women. Yeah. Then maybe she was kind of just Charles Manson crazy. But like, I feel like even Charles Manson has like a thesis. statement. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I were to say, is Charles yeah. Manson dead? No, but, uh, I'm, Are you sure he's that not dead? I'm guessing no. Actually, I think he did die. 
Uh, yeah, you're probably right. And I'm I'm pulling back some memories. Yeah. Of him dying, but <laughs> I think me. Well, at the end, they put her in the spoilers. They put her in a straight jacket and like throw away, which I think oh, is a stupid. That was ending. like some weird like conclusion in the sense that yeah. none of the film made sense so why try and make sense at the end yeah to, for a movie to be like a celebration of murderous sex he's dead by the way okay thank god uh for a movie about the celebration of murderous sex it's weird to like lock up your main character at the end and be like oh that was bad huh like <laughs> Pretty yeah, sure no, I, I, I actually think that you make a very strong point because I, I, I kind of just expected her to just keep going. Yeah, and I was just going to be like, OK, why not? Yeah. Like, that's what the movie was. But the like, fact just that ride off on a motorcycle if anything, or actually, the ending kind of also reinforced the point that it's not feminist at all. Yeah. It's just saying like, yeah, yeah. No, fuck lock it. that crazy bitch up. Literally. Kind of what it looks like. Um, but, you know, it's I think it's anything so interesting as a cultural artifact and uh you roberta hasn't done any interviews about it um i doubt that she will because she's more well known for a bunch of other films that are also sex like yeah they're also sex exploitation when you look up roberta on uh i on wikipedia yeah it's just like most known for her sex exploitation films you know which good for her you know uh but thank you to Jack Braffman for a really, I mean, this is for only what? two years, two years old. The, the Wait, interview that old? he gave. Oh, yeah. Uh, revealing, for spilling the beans. Yeah, for spilling yeah. the beans. Because. Uh, He's like, listen, <laughs> this masterpiece, I'm, I've, I've carried a dark secret for all these years. I, I was not the one that directed Cheney. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what's funny, though? Uh, the sound guy. Uh, refuted Jack and said that, oh no, Michael directed it, not Roberta. Mm. And I, I don't know why. Like, why would Jack lie? Like, yeah, I mean, John are they Amaro? just getting old? Are they getting old? Right. Is that it? Yeah. John Amaro, are you lying? Wow. I don't know. Break it down. Did you yeah. kill your murder your husband? <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Janie, you can watch it on YouTube. Do, do, I was going to say do it, but also. I, I, maybe, I wouldn't. Maybe do it. But. Maybe like watch it on double speed. Uh, that'll be like a five minute watch. Yeah, yeah. No, I say watch. Go ahead, watch it. Make treat yourself. You know, when the kids aren't home, just fire Don't that thing up there. Don't watch it during quarantine. I did not watch it. Oh, it'd be quarantine. fun quarantine. No, it wouldn't. It's like the madness just become just overcome watch porn. with the madness. I think Pornhub has given out free porn, but Pornhub also uh supports child sex trafficking. Oof, so don't. Yeah. Yeah, just go. All right, just play it safe. You know, Watch just Jane. just practice safe, irresponsible sex. Oh my goodness! Okay, okay next one. What's the next? What's next? <laughs> next is Blood Diner, directed by Jackie Chung, and from 1987. Ah, hello, fellow food lovers. I'm Phil Mignon, world famous gourmet. In my travels, I've sampled some of the most exquisite foods the world has to offer. That's why they've asked me to tell you all about a charming new eatery located right downtown. As uh, you can see, the atmosphere is lovely. But, of course, the uh, finest attribute of this quaint cafe is the Marvelous cuisine. 
By the way, what is the special ingredient in the Tuesday surprise? Well, if I told you that, it wouldn't be a surprise anymore, would it? They're, um, <clears throat> mouth-watering specialties. <laughs> we'll have you, as they say, licking your lips. Uh, only the freshest natural ingredients are selected. The first ingredients we need are two stomachs from a couple of tramps. For use in their carefully guarded <clears throat> recipes. I'd give my right arm for that secret recipe. Ah! Uh, yes, the chef puts a bit of himself into every succulent dish. Oh, and he's always pleased to serve you to your friends. Uh, sh shouldn't that be serve you and your friends? Uh, no. Uh, your gracious hostess will direct you to your table. Where you will dine as if there's no tomorrow. So, breeze on down and don't let anything stand in your way. Oh. Uh, this Epicurean haven is called Blood Diner. You got that right, homo. So, this is Phil Mignon. Ah, saying, bon appetit. Oh, mommy. The Blood Diner. First they greet you, then they eat you. No one under 17 admitted. That was a bit of Blood Diner from 1987 and directed by Jackie Kong. Jackie Kong? Jackie Kong. Okay. Um, is it Chong or Kong? Kong. Kong. Okay. Sorry, Did I, I say Chong it. before? I think so. I misheard Oh, it. no. I'm sorry. Now I have my notes in front of me. Jackie Kong. Okay. Um, yeah. What can you tell me about her? Okay. So this movie is... A schlocky 80s night. Was this 80s, 90s? 87. 87. Okay. And man, this movie, one of the first things I thought was this is like the best trauma movie that trauma never made. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. The, oh my God, the opening, the first five minutes alone. By the way, I think this movie is dubbed in parts Weird. and not dubbed in other parts. Yes. And I don't understand why. They must have had some audio difficulties because, <laughs> yeah, it is stupid dubbed. For but dumb, like for... some other parts aren't, right? Yeah, yeah. Like as soon as I would think like, okay, yeah, this is dubbed, then someone would say something that sounded real. And right. I'm like... But is it dub? Yeah. And but what about, like, like, did my ear just adjust to this horrible I dubbing? Know. Or is this now and real? And then, like, the uncle uh -huh. has, like, a weird accent. Did you pick yes. up on that? Oh, yeah. You mean the, the, the brain in the jar? Yeah, the brain in the jar, but also before he, like, I'm specifically thinking uh -huh. about the opening scene. Okay. That opening scene threw me for a loop with the the the, the cops. Well, we never saw the cops. Okay. But well, I don't I think remember it was, the opening scene. Oh, my God. There were kids. Yeah. They, they, it, it was the brothers as kids. I think it's Christmas. Oh, yes. And they're yes. about to open presents. And uh -huh. then their uncle comes in, like, an extra out of the Sopranos, blood all over him, like, kids, you know, 
I think he says that he has something to tell them. Yeah. But he doesn't tell them. He's like, just know that, like, I'll always be here for you or whatever. Yeah. And then you, like, hear and the here's, noise like, a medallion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's, like, a medallion. Yeah. Right? And then he goes, he, like, walks outside after this, like, really. And these are literal kids. These uh-huh. are, like, six-year-olds. Yeah. Which I, I want to know if those six-year-olds are okay today. And then, like, off screen, you hear, like, a gun massacre. Yeah. He, like, walks to the police and like i think yeah. he's got a, a knife or something yeah something like some that. weapon and they just blow it a bits yeah yeah and yeah i, I had in my yeah that was pretty cool huh? <laughs> for, for an intro to I... be like to, to introduce you where there's already a murderer who's like psycho and there's he gets blown kids. away at the beginning yeah, yeah. And then that's not, that's like not even the movie at like a 10%. It yeah. just keeps escalating. And Man. Tiger King was definitely influenced by yeah. this film. Yeah. Wow. So, so the story is these kids then, they're so traumatized and they have this weird medallion. Yeah. That they. And they th- miss their uncle. They miss They don't have like uncle. any bad. Yeah. They, they think that he was. They're Murdered. vegetarians, which is very important. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of vegetarianism in horror movies, bad horror movies. Um, this movie reminded me of some really classic bad horror movies. Yeah. Like I Trolls mean, 2 and duh. Uh, The Room, there's a, which isn't horror. There's but like a talking so brain, silly. bro. The talking brain, yeah. And then the ending scene. So wait, so, sorry. So there's vegetarians... <laughs> Who you, so they're vegetarian in the late 80s. So, you know, they're weird. They're, yeah, you know, this the was cat, when vegetarian was be. not like quirky. Yeah, it was like, okay. So, but they're, but then they also make all their food with human parts. Yeah. So. And, and so they kill people for that. So they, kill, they kill people for that. And they're trying, they're doing some sort of like blood sacrifice ritual. To reincarnate their uncle. Who is a brain jar. Brain jar. Yes, it's literally brain in a jar with some eyes and he keeps talking about titties yes he talks about titties he's a got lot. some good quotes <laughs> um You're and so yeah they're trying to resurrect this this yeah. man and because they miss him if there were ever a movie that that deserved and probably needed a long one of those long titles it's like psycho vegetarian butchers of the it's blah blood blah diner. blah I think it. I think it needed a bigger title because as blood what? as blood diner. Blood diner is pretty good. That's a. I like diners. It's a little too boxed in. Normal. I mean, it's it's where they like ate the. Yeah, but this movie was more than just about the diner. <laughs> there, this there was, was about. It was like brains. We had a god. That's right. It was naked woman. It, I mean, yeah. National International Women's Month. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. Uh-huh. So as opposed to Janie, which had a mostly male crew. Yeah. Blood Diner was made with a female writer and a female producer and obviously a female director. Uh-huh. So female writer, producer, and director. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this so should pretty- be a classic. It should be. I think the fact that it's not good is why oh, it is not. No, but I actually, I, Blood Diner is probably my favorite of the four that we watched. Um, I I think that if anything, like it, it gives me a lot of respect for Jackie. Jackie was known for doing kind of like really schlocky '80s films. She also did The Being, Night Patrol, and The Underachievers. All of those were also just like 80s cult classics. So she's definitely hmm. like a cult. Like when you go to her website, she even her 
like header it says cult filmmaker so she knows her lane oh wow she, that's good uh, i like a person who just knows that. in january actually at chapman university she did a screening of blood diner Ooh. and a q a so you know I, one thing i i actually don't know much about roberta but i'm sure that roberta isn't ashamed of her stuff but uh janie i mean janie sorry jackie obviously takes a lot of pride in this and and she does still do a lot of talks about it and uh some fun facts Mm -hmm. that i think you'll really enjoy Uh, yeah she said that everyone was high on steroids while making the film on steroids yes she said that it was a no cocaine set but uh she she actually made the audience guess she was like they were high on something else could you guess and they were like well we think that that one guy was on steroids and she was like everyone was on steroids really yes um and she says quote unquote that everything was for real in the sense that the film was done with no actors she just went out on the streets of hollywood in the 80s and cast off the streets what a goddess she took the film to be rated to the mpaa yeah and they wanted to give it a triple x rating uh-huh. and she refused to re-edit it so she just spoke to the production company and they released it unrated uh-huh. um and she also said that the ratings board said that the film had no socially redeeming value i'm sure i'm sure they did she also said that, and I don't remember this part. Maybe you do. Uh-huh. She said the zombie attacks at the end were not scripted. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I think that means that the actors just actually went at each other. Um, and she okay. was just, yeah, I don't I don't really Wait, know what that means uh, either. Yeah. I'd have to go back and watch it. I, I remember thinking, wow, this ending is great. And if you were just kind of, <laughs> if this movie was in the background, like a fun party, I think the whole party would be watching the last 10, 15 minutes because it gets like, woo, like the train is going off the tracks. The hilarious thing about me, there, there are a couple things that really stood out to me during this yeah. movie. First off, the lady victims, what were th- what was their direction? Because at one point, she's about to escape, but then she's like, oh, wait, no, I forgot my purse. And so she goes back into the murder den Uh to get her purse. And then that's when she's killed. And I'm like, are you fucking with me? No woman, after almost being escaped from murder, would go back to get their purse. This movie was super silly. (laughs) And if that was, usually that would be written and directed by a man. And so it would be like huge. For me, that would be like, soul cringingly stupid but i like that that it's written and directed by women because then i can have more it seems like i can genuinely laugh with that uh, (laughs) rather than i i do think especially when we talk about the female gaze Uh um especially when it comes to schlocky films a lot of people kind of almost take too much weight to the female gaze yeah in a in a sense because i definitely think that male conscripted gaze is present here but mm-hmm. i do think that there is less objectification in a hmm. way than it I, might like i've never heard that male conscripted gaze that sounds well, pretty the, on the mark for, well well like and, and so what i mean by that is that she still was making a, a film for a certain type of audience yeah, you know what i mean yeah. and so i mean there's definitely tits in it there's right. definitely a lot of vulgar stuff being said in it but I do think, um, I don't know, it, it, it's interesting. This one didn't feel as, like, 
leechy as uh Janie did. Mm-hmm. Um I do think as we go through these movies, uh whether they're more highbrow like Good Manners or if they're more schlocky like Blood Diner, mm-hmm. um, you are seeing kind of uh an ownership and how female bodies are portrayed like when we move into mirror mirror we barely see any nudity in that Mm -hmm. and then good manners is kind of a league in and of its own but anyway what i meant to say with that is it it definitely felt like she kept winking with us every scene like nothing felt okay i could see that maybe such as when there's a scene where there's they're like about to make love and this which itself is a description making love that i would not use in this movie but when the the woman is naked and then she gets her head pushed into the fryer like french oh fryer God. so then she has a big ball like a big chicken and it's nugget just like head a ball. but her body is still naked yeah so, it makes no sense yeah she's like ah i'm like why is her head a ball though that's not what it would look like <laughs> i know that's the, and so that i could see the kind of winking with the audience thing you know? yeah nothing felt serious i will say i think the most hilarious part is actually the end for a lot of reasons but i don't know if you noticed there was like a normal concert going on uh-huh. and then in the next room is where's where the satanic ritual was happening yeah, yeah yeah and like people at the concert were completely ignoring the satanic right. ritual and i was like I'm sorry, but am I crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like, are, are we see that happening? Like a two stage blood happening here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I ex- I imagine it was in the same room. You know what? I also just remembered that we have a black police, a black lady police officer, right? Yes, and and she's a badass. She like she's right. I mean, nobody can act in this movie, but she actually might be able to act. In this she movie. has like a lot of amazing lines. Like, I and think, she turns out to be British at some point. Yes, I think yeah. so. And I think at one point someone's hitting on her. Oh my God. Do you remember the scene? That is like the room quality <laughs> bad Please acting. tell me. Because I'm, I'm blanking a little bit on yeah. that scene. So the other detective, his whole... Yeah. His whole persona is creepy detective who yeah, wants to yeah, date yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. Black the black female girl. detective yeah. who's the only, you know, smart person in the movie. Yeah, which thank and God. <laughs> he flirts with her yes. in a just like phenomenally absurd, creepy way where he licks his mouth. Oh and, my God, yeah. Like tries to do this winking thing. Yeah. And it like Tim Manera could not do a better. Oh, yeah. No, Tim uh, and Eric couldn't do this. Like they couldn't do that. Like Jackie Kong could do Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie, but Tim and Eric couldn't do. Yeah, that I mean, I, I yeah, that's actually that's a good. Yeah, I like I, I agree with that. I sign up for that. Um, yeah, I, I want to give a couple quotes for the listeners just to really wet wet your whistle and really make you want to run out and see this movie. One of the first qu- lines that I had to run and write down and play back a few times was the brain these are all from the brain inside the jar yeah, the brain with the big googly eyes dub brain he says i lost my genitals and oh my, my life God. because of lack of discipline with the glee club girls oh no and his lines are all like read really fast was like rah, 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 rah. and then and not, in an accent and then in a weird accent and another one is I let my slong do the thinking for me and I got confused. <laughs> There's like this weird like break in the word confused. And then the last one I wrote was um, I made a mistake because I was horny and now she's dead. 
it's just like all these lines you get to experience those i just go go out and get this this is a hard movie to see this is actually another very hard movie to see uh i think you can only buy it on dvd uh you can watch it on some streaming thing i've never heard of before okay it's like it was on some other stars or something and now it's on some some streaming yeah. distribution that i don't even so know so it's like it. really sometimes i feel like there are levels of cult you know what i mean like technically you can argue quentin tarantino is a cult filmmaker i don't know who would but you could um but this is like deep deep cult I, the, the way that i found out about blood diner was actually off of letterboxd i was just looking at a bunch of different uh lists of lady directed horrors mm-hmm. and i really liked the the cover art for this one. Oh, man. Um, and i actually i, I really liked the name blood diner i was Regina. like oh that's that's fun yeah. yeah yeah and um and like i said this actually might be the one that i had the most fun watching i'm not sure if it's my f- it, it might be my favorite just because it was just so weird yeah like nothing makes and you knowing could put that this they on with all... a group of people and you could get some laughs oh yeah yeah if you definitely like want uh we're post quarantine party put on blood diner yeah you know and and make it was sandwiches they made oh my god no. and then they uh, they do all of the scenes in the diner were insane especially do you remember that big guy it kind of looked like zach alifanakis the big guy that would like kept eating the food yes. and then, like threw it oh, up oh yeah the vomit oh the vomit oh, oh my god this movie yeah this movie just has everything i think the only thing it didn't have were lesbians you're right you're right uh yeah, so yeah i think the other three movies have lesbians have yeah but yeah jackie yeah. Give us lesbians. This was so many people, I think, think, oh, like a bad, a good, bad. It's so hard to find a good, bad movie. Usually oh, yeah. Bad movies are also boring. Yeah. Or slow. They're, this it's is just kind not. Of same thing. Yeah. This one's good. I think. This, a this good, one's, bad no, movie. Yeah. And and honestly, so much respect to Jackie. She is an Asian-American uh, cult director. We barely see any lady directors, but seeing this Asian-American woman just like kill it with a really you know strong vision whether you like it or not it it, it is kind of consi- yeah it is a strong vision yeah. for sure um I, I and i she deserves to make blood diner two three four five yeah she actually says that one of the most common things that she gets is people think that she's a dude because also like jackie could be a dude same yeah way. yeah and she says that yeah oh my god she she gets like people being like man i can't wait to meet him He's oh given my us. goodness so like and i actually kind of agree with that that i do feel like it's not explicitly clear that there's a female gaze here like no. i said there's definitely kind of like a male conscripted gaze yeah but i i also feel like it's perfectly fair for women to also kind of be i mean look at roberta finlay mm-hmm. and honestly when we kind of even think about modern comedy nowadays we also have had like these waves of like female comedians that do male comedy quote unquote to appeal to large masses so i mean this is kind of in a way that you know i i, I see how it's done and no shame in the game if anything no it's like um my favorite game it's an inter- it's another very interesting cultural artifact, but I would definitely recommend this one to watch. Yes. I think it's necessary. Do it. All right. Are we ready? Make for- it part of your life. Make it your whole aesthetic. Are we ready for a mirror mirror? Mirror mirror. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, I am. Let's go.
Behind this glass lies a century of terror. An evil force awaiting her deadly command. The mirror is using her. Ghosts do not exist. I felt something. Like I or someone. Something was controlling it. Making it happen. I, I told you, she is whacked. You can't just leave like that. I gotta think this through. Can he just leave like that? What the hell is going on? The rumors are true. There is something haunting Weatherworth House. Only it's not a ghost. It gave me powers. And those powers can be for you too, Nikki. I'm bleeding. Are you trying to say that you had something to do with this? Well, let's just say that that you and me are innocent. What was all that racket? I can control it now. Starring William Sanderson, Karen Black, and introducing Rainbow Harvest. All right, and that was a bit of 1990s Mirror Mirror, not to be confused with the Julia Roberts and Lily Collins movie. Mm-mm. It is directed by Marina Sargenti, and yeah, Mirror 90, was fucking this, Mirror. Was this made in 1990 on the dot? It was released in 1990. I'm assuming that it was probably made in 89 Uh going into the 90. Um, Do you know when Beetlejuice was made? Uh, No. Okay. I don't. One of us will look that up, though. The other one will stall. (laughs) Um, Okay. In the meantime. In the meantime, this movie features a very well-known writer. That's why I mentioned it. Person. Beetlejuice was 1988. Okay. So basically, it stars a Lydia Dietz knockoff. Yes. Because <laughs> that's just what a woman it was. by the name of I've got it right here. Rainbow Harvest. That's is the right. Actress's name, and she really wasn't in anything ever since. Ever since this was like her last one, so she had done some her things first... before this. Oh yeah. Uh, she must have been pretty young though. Before this was Miami Vice a uh, uh, role and. Some yeah. movie called Old Enough. In any case, yeah, she didn't I really do to know much after this. her real name. Yeah, it, I think it was. It really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, many are surprised to know that her real name is indeed Rainbow Harvest. Wow. Uh, That's a Brandon Flowers thing. Brandon Flowers? The killers. killers. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, 
what's what's the do you want to do the the so the... how can we describe it mirror mirror reminded me of an extended are you afraid of the dark episode sure i was thinking goosebumps that was what i oh, grew up I, I thought of are you afraid because are you afraid of the dark is a little bit better but okay. also i i it's funny i started watching are you afraid of the dark during this quarantine and there was a mirror episode that was almost identical really? to <laughs> mirror mirror yeah um yeah so it's like this Haunted Kill, mirror, haunt, it, it, in a way, because we do get like a satanic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like a demon thing. Yeah, so this mirror like is kind of possessing it, a girl. It yeah, kills a lot of yes. dogs. Um, yes. that's something that we did see. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's got a what very Winona writer feeling. Lydia Deeds. Lee, yeah. Lydia Deeds. Uh, lead goth, yeah. um, troubled youngster, yeah, punk ish, goth ish, <laughs> put so into like five times. put into a new school that is very pastel. Her blue, mom is insane. A funny like how ho- her mom is like a Hollywood. No, her mom like beyond. It's like Troop Beverly Hills. Dude. Yes, yes. And and can you clarify this part for me? Was her mom supposed to be a psychologist? No, her mom was going to the psychologist, oh, okay. which back then was like, oh, oh only you're crazy. rich people do that, and yeah. like the psychologist is telling you to like do dumb shit. And I think it's implied that the mother didn't care that the father died or something. Well, the the her therapist told her to start dating again. And that was like, yeah. oh, we think it's too early, mom. You're you're an idiot. Yeah, and but then they got like two dogs, and and Winona Ryder's like Rainbow Harvest. Actually, yeah. Rainbow Harvest is like, well, you know, you love those dogs more than you loved him. Uh-huh. And, and then there's like, like a friend. Okay, now now we're getting to the good stuff for me. I what do you mean going to the? We knew the friend. I thought right, but okay, so I thought the friend was well really well casted beautiful fun and the the antagonist girl woman rainbow harvest no i would say she's a protagonist she's like the rainbow one. harvest is our protagonist even yeah though she's the one that does the killing yeah for sure i mean she's the main character Oh, okay. Right? I mean, yes. yes. Okay. So yeah. in school, there's this popular girl with big boobs. Oh, oh my God. The dialogue was so crazy because she's running for president. president. Yeah. And they they imply that she got a boob job, which means that like a 15 year old got they? a Yeah. Remember when. I thought she just had big boobs. No, I think it's implied that she got a boob job okay. because it's because uh, the friend was like. Yeah, you're. It's it's good to see what your daddy buys for you. That way, you get oh. the. Uh, Phew, right over my head. I was like, oh shit! Fifteen year olds getting boob jobs. She okay. Well, let's pretend for a moment that she's not fifteen. That <laughs> actress is so gorgeous. Maybe it's like the quarantine fever that I've succumbed to, but I was entranced watching this movie every time she came on screen, and I thought. Who is this star? And so I looked up and did a little bit of research. Her name is Charlie Spradling. And she actually for a while was the, uh, what's the right word? Like 
model for full moon pictures do you know full moon pictures i actually don't so full moon full moon pictures was very much like trauma Oh, what? Really? Yes. I want to say, so I watched a lot of Full Moon Pictures movies growing up in the VHS store horror campy, yeah, vein. So I want to say that maybe Puppet Masters, um, some of just a bunch of dumb-ish. Okay. Uh, So she was like a spokesmodel for them. Mm. And she was in a few things. I think she had uh, a chance at some stardom maybe she dated some famous people too but i think that were she alive today she'd be a mega star at least. she's dead let me rephrase that were she to be that young and acting at this time i think she would have oh, her own. no not at all oh my god oh, maybe it's the fever maybe it's, the quarantine. Maybe it's no i mean she she did very well but it's just there are so many girls nowadays like zoe dutch and Haley Lou Richardson and and, and are these girls you went to school with? No, these are. But I'm that's what I'm saying. There's such an archetype uh-huh. for like young white studious girls oh. that I man something about the way she played this. It was a fun bully. I, it was. I wanted her to bully. Um, me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's, it's just kind of typical. Well. To get into kind of some of the interesting things about Mirror Mirror mm-hmm. is that it For was you. co-written by sisters. So Co-written. So two sisters. Two sisters. Gascon sisters. Okay. The crew was 70% female, nice. which today would be an anomaly. Yeah. Back then it was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a direct-to-video release. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, so I think maybe... Blood Diner might have been a direct-to-video release, too. But uh, oftentimes, we know kind of, like, exactly what that means. And Mm -hmm. so uh, definitely interesting in that sense. One of the actually most interesting things about Mirror Mirror is that there are four sequels. I was thinking I was going to bring that information to the table. I thought she probably doesn't know about how many sequels there are. Yeah, there are four. How are there four sequels? You know, I thought that... There would be a sequel or two. I, I didn't think there'd be that many. Yeah. When I, I that was are like, like consistently bad to yeah. every single one after this. Is they like, actually say man. that it gets worse. And yeah. this movie's not that good. <laughs> it's not. But I also would stick up for it a bit. I would stick up for it in the sense that this is the first one of the four that we've seen in order. Yeah. Where it definitely felt like a lady team behind it. And that's so? not to like take away anything from it at mm-hmm. all but just the way that the friendships were explored the way that the kind of like womanhood was explored mm-hmm. um i wouldn't go so far to say it's overtly feminist because i don't think there's anything in its messaging that screams this is a feminist movie but i definitely do think that the female gaze is present here instead of the male gaze and i think that's interesting mm-hmm. I, I if anything i kind of saw this movie just to be more interesting as a fact of its time because it's also 1990 and we all know even now in 2020 like we don't know what the 20s are going to look like because we don't have a it's the first year Mm -hmm. of the decade Mm -hmm. and 1990 was again the first year of the decade so you you see a lot of like post 80s influence but you also see the introduction of some 90s things Mm -hmm. going on as well yeah and i 
that to me that was probably the most interesting part of the movie. Okay. Um, there were les- lesbianism lesbians in this movie. I think that the, I I don't remember the lesbians that right, but it At definitely the, felt very queer to me. Oh right, maybe that's what I'm really just going. Just after. just like the relationship between Rainbow Harvest Didn't and the whole her friend thing, wasn't the whole backstory slash that. Yeah, that it was like a couple at the beginning, right in the old timey. Dude, no, it was, was it them, sisters? wasn't it? No, it was right, them. Right. I mean, you learn that at the end, but at the beginning, it seems like it's like an old timey thing, and there's it's lovers unclear, or sisters for sure. Or, yeah. Oh, maybe she's talking. There's sister. definitely like subtext. I would okay, argue. Subtext. Yeah. Whereas, like Blood Diner, there was no subtext. Yeah. Um, Janie, it was explicit. Yeah. Um, and Good Manners, it's very explicit. But mm-hmm. here, there's definitely like some almost like closeted okay. subtext going on here. Okay. The kind of sad or interesting part about this whole entire thing for as unique as it is, and it's actually a little bit easier to find. You can watch it for free up on Tubi, right? Okay. I think so. On Tubi or Voodoo. It's on one of those. Um, anyway. Marina has essentially disappeared. Marina being the director. Oh, really? Yeah, I after this lo- one, maybe? A- after maybe? she did like a Xena Warrior Princess yes, episode, I saw that too. which yeah. lol. Yeah. Um. So, but ninety seven is her last credit. I wasn't able to find anything yeah. at all on for her. for a movie that spawned all those sequels. A you movie would that think spawned would... four sequels. Yeah. A movie that had a seventy percent female crew, uh-huh. and a movie that on you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't say it's bad. I mean, I wouldn't say it's good either. But I, I definitely think that it deserves maybe a little bit more in retrospect. It's yes. kind of very weird that I mean knock on wood but she could be dead she could you know like i, I couldn't find anything yeah. at all on yeah. her hmm. is this and before this did she make any movies no Do we know? this was her first film i remember huh. that yeah wow yeah well, there's yeah. there's some there's a story there there i have two main qualms with this movie one is that this mirror that's supposedly like haunted causing this woman to kill everybody or something is not that is not haunted looking enough it looks like a big old mirror but it's not even that old they, they clearly also just shot this on such a budget because yeah. you never see anything come out of the mirror did you notice uh, that you do you do there's I, like like demon head comes out but if you notice go back and watch it Mm -hmm. because you're right that's kind of the only one Uh but it's framed in a way that you never see the mirror head on it's framed that you see the demon head creep out from the frame but then there is this like right there's this like mirror and this weird special effect where it's like like oh the blood no well no implying that there's like a a whole a gash to a another demonic dimension kind of thing that's what i yeah. remember anyways no yeah but but uh they clearly like filmed it and wrote it in a way that you never really had to deal with the mirror although you do, yeah yeah you, well uh, i don't know if i would they they're, they do a fun thing where they give you the mirror's perspective and it's like blue and it's like this is what the mirror is seeing oh oh my you know, god that's yeah kinda neat. oh my god that was just like so it, it was super Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, the effects were Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. It's, even though it's slightly explicit, I don't think we, 
I, may, I think maybe in the shower we see boobs, but it we seems do see very, boobs. but it's very natural. It didn't feel like uh, you know, it's, it feels like a horror movie kill boobs kind of situation because Charlie's Bradling. Oh, it's Charlie. It's Charlie, and and I'm thinking I actually got really like nervous when they start to show her naked because I thought they they wouldn't do that, you know? <laughs> she could be she's just a star. She's a star of this movie. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it's kind of just the horror movie, hot water gas and the hot water in the shower death yeah, sort of thing or hot, you yeah. know, steam or whatever. I don't remember it being filmed in, cause usually in those scenes, mm-hmm. like we get like 30 close ups of the boobs. That's true. It wasn't there. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. No, this, this movie was, um, again, like. Not to keep repeating myself, it's just kind of like a cultural artifact, um, mm. and it's just kind of really. In- if anything, I'm left with more questions. Like, where did Marina go? Where'd you go? Yeah, I just, I just want to. I would love to know. Well, her Marina experience. and Rainbow Harvest didn't really do anything after this either. Yeah, Maybe, uh, the Gascon sisters. I wasn't able to find anything on them either. The ones that wrote this, yeah. Huh, so, listeners, if you know, hit us up for sure. Put us in touch because. I, I, and honestly, I I kind of like the movie. I, it was okay. It was good. That's my that's my review. It was, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I I mean, for how easily you can find it, it, you can watch it for free up on fucking Voodoo Dude. So Voodoo Dudes. Do it. Yeah. Do so do it. it. Do it because um, if anything, I just want Marina. Uh-huh. Come find us. And Charlie Spradling. You could also come find us. Charlie Spradling, I barely. And this, I remember your boobs. This movie has some familiar faces. Do you did you recognize anyone from this? Dude, movie? I recognized no one from this really? fucking movie. I recognized <gasps> two people. Shut up. Wait, two wait, people. wait, wait, wait. I recognized one person. Okay. It is the professor or the teacher. Yes. And he's from one day at a time. He plays the nerdy teacher in every show and movie and thing. Stephen Tobolowski. Yes. Yeah. And also, this movie had the pet cemetery person uh, was William Sanderson, who yeah. has been in Blade Runner, um, True Blood, American Gods. He's still working. Yeah. So yeah, this movie. All had the some dudes, because actually, I also read that the only person to reprise their role was also a dude from the series in the yeah. series and sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I would, I, even if it's not Marina, I would just want to know how it was on set because somehow I was able to find the fun fact that seventy percent of the crew was female, including the main creatives. But we have like and no yet. lasting document of. Right. You know, we don't know where Rainbow Harvest is or anything. And so it's just kind of kind of weird. Hmm. So, you know, maybe the more people watch it, <laughs> the, more the more information we we'll get. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So now we come to the modern age. Oh, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this is 2017's Good Manners. Dormi no chão, dormi no feno, dormi cavalinho, aproveita que é pequeno. Vinte e oito semanas, tá tudo em ordem. Ele é normal? É. 
Dormiu bem? Tive um sonho esquisito. Você anda pela casa de noite. All right, and that was 2017's Good Manners, directed by Marco Dutra and Juliana Rojas. A double director. It is a double directing team, so one is a man and the other one is a woman. Um, but you know, still very important. And also, I wanted, I chose this one because uh, it's also foreign. This is uh, Brazil. It's from Brazil. And the other ones were all U.S., right? Yeah. Okay. Other ones were all U.S. Um, Juliana is also gay as well. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get out, give out some LGBT representation. And also, Good Manners stars a black woman. Yes. And I really wanted, if anything, I really wanted like a black female director to look at but um there just haven't really we have one coming up with Candyman. Candyman uh-huh. is directed by Nia DaCosta who a uh, black lady who um did Little Woods with Tessa Thompson and Lily James. So this is kind of in a way our tip off to, you know, diverse female directors because for the most part the people that have been getting a uh, horror movie uh, to direct have been white women but we have some representation we got Jackie and now we have Juliana sounds good so Good Manners is yeah. the story of a pregnant lady and we don't know how we don't we don't see her husband we never we, yeah uh, and so as a viewer a lot of the focus is on the black female lead woman who is, who is Clara. Who's Clara. And, and she is auditioning. pregnant lady is Anna. Okay. So Clara and Anna. And Clara is auditioning to become the. Like a maid. Like a nanny person. Yeah. Or maid and then and then nanny. Yeah. Something um, like that. Because the woman's. Clara is like. Wait. Which one? Anna. Anna is the pregnant one. Anna is like. Oh I'll also need you to help me take care of this kid or whatever. Yeah. And. This movie threw me because the cover art makes it look like it's about a baby werewolf or something. But the movie doesn't show the husband, doesn't show the husband. And then uh, out of maybe 20 minutes into the film. I think it's more like 30. Okay, well, I'm not sure if you know where I'm going to go with this. But at some point, the pregnant woman picks up a photograph of her and her horse and she's like i love this horse and i thought oh my god (laughs) she has a horse baby inside of her oh my god and this movie rules now (laughs) this is like the ultimate horse girl film 
Yeah. And so then, so then from that high, I, I definitely oh, no. took a hit when oh, it no. did turn out to, to be a werewolf baby inside of her. And from there, the movie goes. Uh, she has a werewolf baby, etc. It's kind of like almost two movies in one. I would agree. Yeah, and 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 it almost comes at exactly like at the one hour mark is where Anna is killed by her own were child, if you will. <laughs> and then that with such the last sincerity. I mean, it's true. Yeah, and then the she last was unfortunately hour killed by her were child. I mean, Rest I in th- peace. that that scene was gross. Like you see the stomach explode. Yeah, this movie is slightly gross in certain points but i think probably one of the most laughable things about it is the creature design oh i liked it that baby baby werewolf werewolf? it looked like a reborn baby (laughs) it looked so fake um i almost wish that we had never seen it if anything i really i really like it when the little boy is half human half like when he has a hairy chest yeah like that looks cool but as soon as he's full werewolf i'm like that looks like the you know the Harrison Ford movie was it Call of the Wild? Uh-huh. It looked Where like that dog CGI dog. Like a dog. Yeah, CGI dog. You know what? So here is something that I must admit. What I got to a point with this movie, and it was when the it was when the lead character is taking care of now the werewolf baby has become a werewolf child. So Clara is taking care of. I think his name is. I, I don't think Josh. Okay, Josh, the werewolf. <laughs> I don't think that's the name. I'm sorry. And the werewolf Josh says, You're not my mom. Nah. And I just thought, as a stepdad oh, myself, I don't want to hear any MF and kid doing the you're not my dad. To me, that hit hurts my soul <laughs> because Damn. it's too real. Changed. It's too real. Yeah. And I also just didn't want to see them that movie. You know, I didn't want to see that movie. I, you know, I would I rather was see actually, the les. I like the lesbian. That's what I was going to say. That's stuff. what I was going to say. I wish that the film had, even though I kind of so reading more about Marco and Juliana's uh, intention with it okay. made me like Good Manners a little bit more. Hmm. But I do think it's almost a crime that the film isn't about Anna and Clara. Right. Because I think that that that's the more interesting story. Yeah. Even so one thing about Good Manners that's different from the other films that we've seen that we can argue is that it's definitely symbolic for and and um a signifier of a lot of issues going on in Sao Paulo. So, you know, mm. even the directors, they said that it's not a coincidence that, you know, they cast this a white Brazilian Mm -hmm. who comes from a lot of privilege looking for a black maid, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they fall in love. And then how does that look? I definitely see the intention of all of the different class structures Mm -hmm. and contrasts in Mm -hmm. the film, you know, even down to like animalistic urges versus, um, you know, human emotions. You know, there's definitely that push and pull that keeps the whole film going but it definitely, you know, I, I, I think that it would have been much more successful if this was actually a love story. Yeah. And I guess you could still argue it is one. But walking in, I thought it was just going to be about the lesbians because uh-huh. I knew that that, <laughs> that I, I knew that I, I had first heard of this film thanks to one of 
my favorite Instagram friends that we have, Leslie Borden, she had written about it. So I thought it was just going to be a lesbian film. And it just kind of isn't. No. Um, well, it is and it isn't. Yeah. I mean, the beginning... It's very interesting. The whole reason why she raises the child, right? Is, is out, out of, of love. love. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no. <laughs> so I stopped watching it after the cranky but did you werewolf finish? child. I didn't. And so you I, don't know how it ends? I don't know how it ends. I don't even know how it goes after that. Like, that probably was she ends up the shooting halfway him. point. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I, I wish you would have she ends up shooting him but scene. like he survives and then how it ends is everyone is about to kill them but they both just, of them both of them okay. but they're about to face the angry mob together and oh. then that's how it died hmm. like that's sort of literally the final hand in hand yeah righteously hmm. hand in hand so what did you how, how did that play out for you did you like that you know, I always suggest good manners for people to watch because I do think it's a unique film. I just don't know if it's as successful as it wants to be. Another really interesting thing that I found out uh, is that they were most inspired by Disney films, hmm. specifically Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. Ah. Uh, but they said that even through like the color palettes and everything, they studied Disney like 2D classic hmm. disney films more than they did horror films they said they didn't really study any horror films for this hmm. movie and i was hmm. like eh, okay yeah <laughs> all right that makes sense i mean there's the birth of the werewolf does he go off to kill other people i guess he like he does kill one of his friends okay um and then he tries to attack a little girl but she she shoots him is he a boy not. is he like a child still or is he like a teenager or is he like an adult it, this is all like it all happens within the same there's not a time jump so he doesn't go to be like an adult grown-up no werewolf, this is a little a 20 baby werewolf. so he's still a kid werewolf yeah when she shoots him and every and when they oh, like wow. it all takes place okay. in the same night oh um, okay, okay, okay. right so hmm. yeah i i, I think that this is a really interesting film to study. One, to also get the Brazilian voice. Two, to also kind of see all of these different, you know, like class structures and mm-hmm. race structures and also this uh, LGBT angle. Um, and yeah, I'm not too sure if it's highly successful as like a creature feature, but um, I think that there's a lot to unpack here. And if anything, it does feel very... Uh, female there's the female gaze um introduced there even the sex scene was That's i feel I like very um that was very beautiful beautifulish yeah yeah <laughs> in a way um yeah, yeah i believed there even though i didn't love all the acting necessarily i did believe start to believe them as a couple yeah yeah which the, i wasn't sure I, if i was gonna do at the beginning i, I like, liked claire uh, a lot i think claire is like amazing in this film yeah uh anna was a little weird but yeah. um yeah i don't i don't i i definitely think that there's like a film that i really love somewhere in good manners uh-huh. just as and it's just overlong here's another yeah what do you overlong. think about I had really specific feeling about the way they do the werewolf. They tell you the werewolf origin story at one point, like maybe an hour into it. They're like, oh, so here's the story of why she has a werewolf baby. And I I found it to be so simple and boring that it wasn't even worth telling. Yeah. I would have just rather they had left it up 
to our imagination or just throwing a line in somewhere because they break it into like an animated throwback, an animated telling of the story. And it just didn't need to happen. Didn't yeah. wasn't that interesting. She yeah. just slept with a werewolf guy. That's it. Yeah, I think it. I think this film would have been a lot more successful if it was about thirty to forty-five minutes shorter, and if it focused more on showing and not telling. Um, I felt like a lot of it was spoon-fed, um, and I feel like the film wasn't sure what to focus on. Uh, Marco and Juliana said that they really wanted to drive home this theme of women resisting against the world, like women resisting to protect something. Mm-hmm. But especially when you decide to kill off one of them, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think it was just very Maybe weird they decided to kill her if she yeah. survived and they, you could still have the same exact yeah. a- ending and everything. But yeah. just if she survived, it may be that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though I because the love story dies as soon as she dies. Yeah. Right. I mean, then it's like yeah. another. It's a story about yeah. raising a kid, which I find to be really obnoxious. <laughs> but it's not. I mean, not not the act of raising children, but that story coming off a love story is like, ugh. Now I yeah. gotta watch this brat. Yeah. Be mean to her and. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, were no, there too many the cooks in the kitchen for this one? Is it is that possible? Can we say maybe that the even guy though they say that they the they they both say that they've always worked together, so it's okay. Well, so and, and they said that it's very like a sympathetic process and things like that. I don't so. know how you do that. More power to you if you can work <laughs> with somebody like that. That's amazing. Yeah, right. no, they and they said that they do like they write together, they edit together, wow. they direct together. And they're they're not a romantic couple, or they no. All? This no. is uh, I think it's a gay dude and a gay woman. Wow, um, cool. I know Juliana for sure is gay, but I don't know about Marco. Marco. I, okay, I'm not going to be public. Yeah, care. yeah. But, so, um, Brazilian? Are they both Brazilian? They are, they're both Brazilian. Um, yeah, they met in film school in Sao Paulo in cool. 1999. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think good manners should definitely be talked about. And I always, I, I recommended it to my kids, mm-hmm. even though it's not one of my favorites. But just because I, I do think it's ambitious. I think no, no matter what, it's ambitious. And I like seeing ambitious films. And I think I can actually say that for all of the films that we watched, even fucking Janie. They're ambitious. That was ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> that was not your average skin flick. That was something else. Yeah. You had to enjoy a little bit of bloodlust for that one. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's. It, it it's it's very interesting and and I and I just hope that it just keeps expanding what female uh, directed horror films could be because that was also kind of like my intention of doing this. Um, we usually hear about like the same five female directed films like Karen Kusama who did uh, Jennifer's Body mm-hmm. and The Invitation, um, Black Christmas just got a remake mm-hmm. with a Which female director. Fla- oh. Yeah, I, I didn't. But also I at the same flopped, point, like, why much. did that have to be a thing? You know, yeah. like I. I mean, I would have seen. I, I would have loved to have seen it. I don't know anything about. I, I didn't, didn't see, see the it because the there was one. no point in it. Yeah. You know, it, and, and I've talked about Chris a Christmas. Black, Black Christmas. Christmas. Sorry, uh, I've talked about Black Christmas on this podcast before, and why the original was so important. Okay, and it's just kind of like you know one thing that I'm noticing, especially with Jason. Bloom and Bloomhouse Productions is that they'll look for these like 
titles that they think should be directed by women, uh-huh. like Black Christmas. Yeah. And then be like, okay, what lady wants to direct it? And I can't think of anything like more boring than that. Like mm. kind of the same thing with Carrie. That Carrie remake was done by a lady too. And it just it wasn't that good. You yeah. know? And yeah. and I think what I like about all four of these movies is that they were original mm-hmm. stories. Okay. Um half of them were written by women. I, Janie, we could argue, was probably written by a woman as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that there's like a lot of plot An to it. An insane woman. <laughs> um, and, you know, these four films are so different and, and show so many dualities to what being a woman and a woman as a genre, as a genre filmmaker is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's what this exercise has taught us, even Beyond Borders. Yeah. I don't know. What, what, what did you borders. take from... Yeah. I think ambitious is a good tie-in. This is an ambitious, women-led movie selection here. Yeah. Yeah. Even I, even Mirror Mirror, I think, is ambitious. Yeah. I mean, Mirror Mirror's plot is kind of, like, so weirdly convoluted that you can only kind of respect it. Like, I didn't expect Rainbow to be... Because pos- you're not sure if she was being possessed because yeah. at first just weird things were happening she was actually getting stalked right remember that she like woke up in the middle of the night and she said that she saw her dad oh and her mom was like you're crazy earlier yeah 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 so like mirror mirror is actually probably one of the more ambitious ones i think because it just almost doesn't make sense franchise and it did launch a franchise exactly probably made a bunch of vhs sales you know yeah somebody got some money out of it yeah and then yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I and that's why I also chose these films. I didn't want to just choose the typical ones that we hear about all the time. Everyone thinks that yeah, okay, now lady directors have gotten have been thrown a bone over the last few years, and it definitely is becoming more mainstream. But there were a lot of women that tried to make films, and this is just four films that mm-hmm. I chose. There were a lot of other films that we could have chosen for this. And I encourage you all to go and look at that history. You know, we we once did The Monstrous Feminine with Barbara Creed, mm. and that remains to be one of our most popular podcast episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Wh- who's Barbara Creed? Remind me. Barbara Creed, Monstrous Feminine. Oh, was the person that developed the whole idea. Of yeah, Monstrous Feminine. Feminine. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's because not a lot of people really talk about that in the mainstream. And I hope that we kind of get you all thinking about authorship and male gaze, male conscripted grazes and female gazes and story perspectives and all of that because it makes a difference. And what better way to make a difference than to create something original, lift up voices around you, share the podcast that you listen to the most and love the most with all of your friends and family. And if that podcast is horrorspirit.com, don't go to horrorspirit.com. Do we own horrorspirit.com? Yes, you asshole. Oh, we do. Go to <laughs> horrorspirit.com. Go to horrorspirit.com. That makes me so mad. Go to com. I just got that license renewed. Did you? Yes. Yes. One year? Yes. All right. It's our anniversary. We. It was our anniversary last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't use the dot com anymore. Though everyone's on the Facebook and the I don't give a fuck. I we invested. Oh, I'm invested in professionalism I'm invested as well. All right, good. I'm I'm in there. <laughs> oh, I'm part of this. Um, yeah, but in any case, you know, spread the word 
if you know somebody who might like oh you're you're horror, plugging us. i'm trying to plug this right yeah no that's that's kind um we've <laughs> we've had a, a bit of an uptick due to the quarantine and also my students this semester have been really proactive and getting on my ass about uploading and things like that so if y'all are listening hi i miss y'all a lot mm, yes um, our regular viewers or listeners yes we miss, you too. we miss you too um i don't know what we're gonna do next i'm sure we'll figure it out lots of options and uh what do you think about like a virus episode because of this contagion would people want to hear that or would people be you like no what? i don't want to hear getting that weirdly like i legit keep getting people being like oh your students must be so excited that they're living <laughs> through a real life horror movie yeah and i just stare at people like what the f- does is anyone excited by this yeah like yeah. i just um maybe i don't know i just yeah like, congratulations <laughs> i heard your grandma's sick you must be really happy <laughs> about that really happy. as like, someone who is oh like my- god yeah i just keep waiting we're not gonna talk about it one thing someone told me the other like two days ago or yesterday they were like i'm just really sick of like hear like hearing about the quarantine like yes we know we're all in quarantine Uh it's it's just and i kind of agree with that but um Uh, uh, the other hand side of that coin is we're never hope maybe going to be in a quarantine again so might as well i was going to say i can't think of anything I, and and I genuinely mean this. Probably the last time was maybe Kobe Bryant stuff, maybe Michael Jackson stuff. Mm-hmm. If anything, Michael Jackson stuff more than Kobe Bryant stuff, but maybe um, where like the whole world is suffering is at moved. once. Yeah, this is some collective suffering here. Yeah, I yeah bigger than this for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that that's always the most interesting part. Um. I we are always happy to get feedback from you all. So up on horrorspirit.com dot com. That some people know that stands exists. for commercial um, com. Anyway, on horrorspirit.com you can submit feedback on anything you may want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um we are going to figure out what to do. Hopefully, maybe in the next two or three weeks we'll have something up. Yeah. And you know, just take care of each other and yes. uh watch movies from a f- distance, perhaps. Or not from a distance. Perhaps. <laughs> and support uh, filmmakers and creatives in the service industry and everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. This has been a great International Women's Month. I mean, pandemic aside. I don't know what he's talking about, <laughs> but happy International Women's Month to everyone. I think it is time for us to go watch the sunset now. Oh. All right. The greatest horror movie of all is horror of living another day in quarantine. So that horrible <laughs> outro was brought to you by Christmas. I want to say have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you another time. Next tell you see you next episode.